welcome to this podcast brought to you by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. Um, in this episode of Metal Movers, we will be talking about electric cars. Um, I just introduced myself. My name is Caroline Messica, and I am the senior reporter for Rare Earth and Electronic Metals. And I'd like to introduce our guest today, uh, Dave Odenevema, who is head of technology trends at the Advanced Propulsion Centre UK. And they are the funding arm of the automotive program of the UK Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy. Uh, Dave has a very interesting background for an electric vehicle expert. He started out as an engineer specializing in computational fluid dynamics, which is very useful for internal combustion engines. And he worked for several large car makers and about 10 years ago made the switch to electric, looking at electric mobility. So welcome, Dave. Uh, thank you very much, Caroline. And I'm going to start with, uh, I'm sorry, quite a difficult question, um, um, but I think it's an important one to ask. Um, in in sort of the, I think among the sort of wider public, there's quite quite a lot of people feel a, a lot of bit of scepticism about the electric revolution. Um, we've got um, economic uncertainty, a lot of inflation. And at the same time, we've got all, a lot of some very, very ambitious targets from governments around the world on phasing out ICE vehicles. And at COP26, uh, a lot of governments around the world are now pledging to, to ban the sale of emission vehicles by 2035. Um, is this really going to happen? Um, yes, I, I think it is, largely. Um, you know, as, as a combustion systems engineer, I was a little bit sceptical for starters as well. I mean, we're always focused on lowering the carbon footprint, but um, <clears throat> but I think things are are, um, are now changing. And net zero is, you know, getting to net zero is is one of those. <clears throat> there are a number of ways of, of getting to net zero. And net zero is not the same as zero tailpipe emissions, but, um, you know, battery electric vehicles, um, but also fuel cells, um, are one way of, of getting some of the way there and, and we can see it happening. It's it's happening much quicker than most people are had had taken it, you know, had, had expected. Um, the, the thing is, um, they are expensive now and they are meant to come down. That, that was quick. my next question. Can we Sorry. afford it? Uh, oh, yes. Um, well, yeah. Uh, can we can we afford it? Um, well, I think we well, at the moment they are a bit more expensive. <clears throat> there are ways of, of making them more affordable and if the automotive industry is good as at anything it is taking taking cost out of out of cars you know really taking a cost out of technology um you know scaling them up in volume and, and and getting them to the market at a very competitive price point and and stuff that you know at a point that that people are willing and can pay um i mean interesting statistic that i always find interesting is that um, since the ford model t Mm -hmm. The car hasn't actually increased in in price in real terms, and I don't know if you know what a Ford Model T is. I mean, it is four yeah. wheels, a steering wheel, and an engine, and that's about it. And it comes in the colour black. And, <laughs> and 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 these days, I mean, you have more more cons on a car than than most people have in their houses. So it really it really costs the same after adjusting for inflation. It's the same cost. Yes, I mean, yeah, there is some really good in, information available from from. Uh, I think it's from one of the, universe, uh, the American universities that has done has looked at that, and it's it's surprising. It really is amazing stuff. 
Um, that, that sort of brings me rather neatly to sort of the automotive industry in general um, and sort of the pressures and strains it's under. Um, how, 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 does the biz, how do you think the business model might change under EVs? I think it's already been changing quite 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 a lot, but I think what's really important to to see is that the automotive industry is now invested, and and really the the pressure comes from the having to go to uh, zero tailpipe, not necessarily zero, but zero tailpipe, and mm-hmm. those pressures are coming from the European Union. We see them here in the UK uh, with bans, and they just need to move quite swiftly. And what we now see is a a uh, in the next 10 years, a 20-fold increase in in those cars coming and the batteries that go with it and all the components in there, 20-fold increase is what we need to look at. And with that changes the 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 the, the business model because if that, that the value in the vehicle of those electrified components is is in the order of like 30 to 40 percent, mm-hmm. so you're rewiring physically rewiring about 30 to 40 percent of the supply chain. And therefore, 40%, you know, 30 to 40% of the economy, that, that is the automotive industry. So for some of them, uh, for some of that supply chain, basically that means the end of the road or, or significant transformation. But for the OEM, the business model is also changing from the point of view that they will need to start thinking about making money in a different way because more of the value they 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 have in a vehicle more of that transfers to to their supply chain so they need to start thinking about different ways of making money okay um just to, to on that point how do they make money now how does how does the the business model work now well as you know they make cars and they make mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit of money on that um um but and sometimes um on certain cars very little money <clears throat> sometimes no even money and, and really, by by increasing the, the specifications on the car, so a car with electric seats or electric um, uh, electric heating in the seats, uh, you know, some different colours, a sports package, all that sort of stuff. That that's all add on. And as most people might know, if you have a car with all the spec on, then then quite quickly it it doubles in price. It doesn't cost them twice as much, but the price goes up twice as much. So that's where they start making some money on the additional additionality. But really, the majority of the money is typically made by by the banks, so through leasing schemes, and that's really where the financing side of things is where they make most of the money, and uh, typically, um, and 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 that's what what in the financial crisis went uh, exposed them quite 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 badly. So that's so it's just just going back to the the supply chain. Um, so thirty to forty percent of it changed. It, it's sort of coming off. Uh, shipping crisis, logistics problems. That seems like an, an enormous challenge for the industry. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, I think it is a significant challenge, um, and you know, a very significant challenge. And that's that's what you now see in 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 Europe, um, mm-hmm. where we well, you see that you've seen it in China. You still see mm-hmm. it in China already, but in Europe, as I said, I mean, you know, the number of of what people call gigafactories, so large battery cell manufacturing plants that are that are needing to be built there to, to supply these vehicles. I mean they don't they didn't exist. They didn't exist until, you know, about ten years ago. The first one in Europe was actually in in, in Sunderland, uh, making the Nissan Leafs. Wow. And and all the ones that all the Nissan Leafs that were made in Europe um, are all produced, all the batteries are produced in a factory next door in Sunderland. <laughs> and that is in the order of like one point nine gigawatt 
hours at the moment, and we call it gigawatt hours by by the amount of energy that's that's kept uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the battery per year. That's the capacity, and and we need um, significantly more than that. Um, uh, you know, currently I think we're at about we need about 40 gigawatt hours to to supply the demand that's currently in existence in in Europe, and we expect that to go up by about you know. 15 to 20 times by 2030. So this is going to happen very fast or it has to happen very fast? Extremely fast. This is, I mean, people call it an electrified revolution or green revolution. It really is like that. It goes very, very quickly. So, yeah, I I was, I heard it described to me as, um, you know, you're either at the table or you will be on the menu. Wow. Okay. So, so it's an extraordinarily competitive space. It is. It is. Yes. Well, just to sort of pile on the problems uh, amongst the, all the things that EVs need, they also need very expensive chips um, to make the the power electronics to make the electric to modify the electricity to 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 run a motor. Can you tell us a bit about that and and about some of the change we're seeing there? Yes. Yeah, so, well, I think semiconductors and and. Um, and all of that is very much in the news at the moment um, because of the supply chain um, issues, shortages that there are. But the, these are specifically the semiconductors for high voltage, high power uh, applications, and that's a slightly different thing. But um, um, from from our roadmap, you can certainly see that that um, these things are changing. So far, they've been mainly on based on silicon technology, mm-hmm. and it will go to what people call wideband gap materials, uh, specifically silicon carbide and gallium nitride. Uh, and that means that um, that that supply chain is also um, changing quite significantly, uh, and significant investment is required in those areas. So more and more vehicles are coming out with that technology. The voltages are, and, and the powers keep going up. The efficiency of of the motors and all the power electronics is is increasing and needs to be increased because it directly impacts the the range of the vehicle with the size of the battery that you have in a car. And that's why that strong move to, to silicon carbides and, um, and gallium nitride. So, so the automotive industry has just just um, come out of a situation where semiconductor shortages have have caused a lot of pain and unfortunately still are. So, how are they going to feel about our brand new uh, supply chain? Is that going to make them far more proactive? I mean, presumably because they they want they really want to secure that supply now. Yeah, we do. We do see that, and, and we see that in in some of our um, projects where where the OEM, as in the the car maker, but also some of its supply chain gets really involved in 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 the supply chain because they have to, um, not just from a not just from supply issues, but but um, if you really want to get a good end product, you need to get involved earlier upstream to really design out some of the issues and design in the features that you want. So. We can see more and more of that coming, but I think supply constraints are are a real issue at the moment, and that's also at the forefront of their minds. Um, you can see, I mean, this has not been a new thing, uh, but the thing is, if, if if one component doesn't turn up, right, you, d- you don't make the car, and it can be a very very simple thing, um, like it could a, be like a one pound chip could stop the whole production line. Well, it could be even 10p. You're not making the car. Yeah, uh, I think there was uh, an instance with Ford where, where door locks didn't turn up because of a dispute. You're not making the car. Um, Toyota and Honda and Nissan had this a while back when the um, Fukushima 
a disaster happened and one of their airflow meter plants in Japan was wiped out. Mm-hmm. That made all the airflow meters for all of their cars around the world or most of the cars around the world and they were on stop. And every time you stop one of those big volume plants, um, you're losing tens of millions of pounds yeah, in lost revenue. So it is really quite painful. So you can see that those companies seem to weather this semiconductor shortage slightly better because they have had quite deep and, and detailed look at their supply chain and understand where their um, where their issues lie. But actually, it just brings me back to something that I remember we discussed previously about, about silicon carbide, that at the moment, a lot of the industry is relying on on one source and even one one plant for, for silicon carbide. So presumably that that isn't going to stay that way or it's unlikely to. Um, you no, uh, yeah, you're right. I think, um, you know, with, with strong growth come growing pains mm. and, and growing pains are, are with us for some time. So this happens in batteries, but as you say very rightly, um, most silicon carbide at the moment comes out of out of one plant in New Jersey. So um, that might well mean that, that there are going to be some some issues at some point potentially. It also means that there is a real focus and drive from quite a number of um, companies, car companies and supply companies to to diversify um, their supply quite swiftly. Uh, and I think that's exactly where in the UK, we, we you know, the UK has a real opportunity there and a real role to play. And, and I said before, some of the APC projects that we have are doing exactly that, bringing bringing the you know the the car manufacturers and, and the suppliers together with the rest of the supply chain, so they can start um, working much closer together and and get themselves the materials they need, the supplies they need in the format they need it at, and ideally of course at at a, at a price point they need it at. Um, but I think coming back to that UK opportunity, I mean. Um, the UK is very rich in terms of, you know, um, in, in this area at the moment. Well, we, we have a lot of fabs, don't we, actually? people. Well, correct. Yeah, the, the, yeah, there's lots of fabs. There's lots of skills around as well and, mm-hmm. and, and real deep know-how in R&D in this, in this area. And then even some of the machinery that's used in fabs is also being produced here. So just, just that ecosystem means it's very rich. Um, those fabs tend to be all on or predominantly on silicon at the moment, right. six to eight inch, where actually at volume, they would be at much larger sizes. But but six to eight inches is actually what you're trying to, what you need at the moment for silicon carbide. So I'm not saying it's, it's easy to convert those silicon plants, uh, fabs to, to silicon carbide, but at least they have some of the right infrastructure and skills and, and, and R&D facilities um, an infrastructure to to make that happen. So, what I'm trying to say is that 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 yeah, there is significantly less investment required than than a new site to do it in the UK in something that already exists. Uh, the question is <clears throat> one of still there is still significant investment required, and that will be predominantly private investment. Significantly less than if you start from scratch, but still you need you need quite a lot of money. Still, this is not for for um, you know for the faint-hearted. So I, I, I can imagine it'd be an awful lot cheaper than than, build, than building a fab to use one that's already there. But do, do you think the biggest problem is they're not looking far forward enough? They're not taking action now? Or do you think 
there's just so many other pressures on 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 automotive that it's it's hard for them to 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 focus on everything at once. What do you think are the barriers to to this moving forward? Uh, well, I think the barriers to entry for, for automotive players is that that is it's a world they they don't really fully understand. Um, obviously, there is one of, of investment that they're hoping that the, their suppliers, their tier one and uh, suppliers, will, will 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 lead on. Um, yeah, so so I think those are some of the, the the main barriers. But I can't really really talk for them too much. I think it's um, you know some of them will will be become more in, interested in this, um, and some will probably take more of a um, a backseat role. And do you think sort of as as things develop, I mean, I've I've heard um, cars described as uh, EVs as as mobile phones on wheels. Do you think the the ultimately the automotive industry might be more like the semiconductor industry or that part of semiconductor more like the automotive industry? How do you think that that could play out? Well, we're sort of coming back to the business model. So (laughs) so if there is that much um, electronic content in the car and, and, and growing very rapidly, then then you can see how you might be able to tailor the experience for the customer to 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 what they might want and might be willing to pay for at any moment in time. So, um, you know, through software changes or, mm. or just to switch things on and off, um, you can see how, how you can make a better or, or, or not such a nice experience in the car, <laughs> or at least upgrade their experience in the car. And that, of course, just like, um, you know, um, in in our payments, for example, you can see a similar thing happening in cars to a large degree. Um, but switching on functionality, which would happen through additional electric, electronic, um, and software content in the vehicle, um, but that that is very quickly being built in. And just going back uh, to the potential of the UK, do you think? Um, bearing in mind the infrastructure that we do have, that we have the potential not only to supply our manufacturers here, but actually become you know, a reasonably sized player on, on the global stage? Well, I think you, you, would, you would like to think that with the skills and the, the background that, that it could be, that the UK could be a significant player. I mean, semiconductors are a global um, market. It's very easy to ship you know, ship these things across the world as indeed we do now, and you can do so in volume. So, I think with the right investment by the right players um, and the right support, um, and, and you know, in, for some of this, we do have some some R and D and capital support as part of the advanced propulsion offering. So, so yeah, with the right support, we could um, that that might well happen. And you would think that that any player wouldn't just produce it for the UK, but certainly would try and 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 do this for a European slash global market. Uh, well, listen, it's it's absolutely fascinating to talk about chips in cars and and this enormous enormous change that 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 we're all about about to witness. And I'd like thank you very much for for agreeing to come and talk about it. And um, we'll be closely following developments, and hopefully you'll you'll come back and and talk about it again in the future. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tune in to our other episodes to learn about the metals market. For more information about electric vehicles, please visit our website, argusmedia.com.